Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Grigic, and today with me is uh, Pablo Santos. He is uh, the founder at uh, Plastic SEM, and um, I would like to welcome you, Pablo. Hello. Really happy to be here today. Sure. Uh, could you tell me a little bit uh, and the listeners uh, a little bit about your background? So how did you uh, how did you get started? Okay, sure. Well, uh, the story it's uh, started to get long because uh, we are in business since two thousand and five. So it all started because uh, we wanted to come up with a better version control system, uh, and uh, we saw that back in the time there were not that many good alternatives. There were some big version control systems up there like Subversion and ClearCase from IPM, but whether they were, you know, super simple or too expensive. And the the, the dream was to build something that was you know, easier to use and quick and powerful and, you know, like all together. And that's that's why we started. The yeah. plan B was actually developing a video game. So. Oh, video games, really? So how, why, uh, why was that? So what was the kind of reasoning behind the video games part? Well, uh, back then I really loved, uh, you know, playing with OpenGL and DirectX and trying to learn how to code games and so on. And I also, I'm also a petrol head. I, I always love like, cars and motorbikes and, and all that so we wanted to come up with something like a you know like a super big simulation game or something like that i don't know something like what we can see today in well project cars or something like that of course we will have never get so close but that was like a dream too like okay what should we go for like a video game or or really develop a, a version control system and well the version control system won at the end okay and wh- why was that was that more because of the the knowledge being uh, readily available, or why was that? Well, that's a very good question, and I, uh, t- to be honest, I'm not sure I remember the, the the final reason anymore. But it was more like, okay, we, I wanted to to build a company, uh, I wanted to 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 move forward and create a business out of it, and we were evaluating some another co-founder and, and, and myself we were actually evaluating the, the alternatives and trying to figure out what will what will be uh, possible to 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 have at the end and i think at a certain point we said okay you know maybe it's more uh doable to go for for the version control considering our background and what we know and, and so on and, and that was probably the was uh, the main reason right yeah so um, that's interesting on many ways because it's it's totally to- totally two different worlds, right? So, <laughs> a version control system and well, and video games is it's totally different. Yeah, of course, it's both. You could call it both software, right? I mean, it's not that uh, not uh, that different in a way. But I, I was I was wondering. So maybe you can uh, explain a little bit about uh, you wanted to start a company uh, and. How how did you get started? Was it just starting with the code and going from there, or how did that how did that process go? Okay, so uh, I actually had a, a couple of previous jobs, so uh, I got more and more interested in version control and software configuration management and so on. I started to to read several books and even to attend some uh, events and speak about agile and mixed with. Uh, version control uh, practices and so on. And then at a certain point of time, I really decide, okay, you know, it's time to actually make a move. There's a difference from when you are just thinking about it and and really uh, when you decide to move forward and and make it happen, right? So it was around 2004 when I said, okay, it's it's now the time to actually look into it for real. Uh, We've probably been thinking about it for the last year, a year and a half or something. And then we said, okay, 
how do you come up with a business? So it's not only about the code, it's not only about the product, it's, it's, it's about the business. So we started thinking about uh, creating a business plan. Back then was more useful than, than it is right now with all the you know lean approaches and so on. But we actually came up with a pretty nice and detailed business plan trying to figure out how will we sell it and how much it will cost and, and you know all that. We put it together and then we try to find um, investors. Uh, it was not a bad time because uh, from the economical perspective, 2004, five and so on was not a, a bad time like it became later on. So our, our, our idea was, okay, if we, can, if we cannot find anyone who, who wants to invest, then maybe it's not worth moving forward. Uh, of course, I will think differently right now because these days bootstrap teams are all around. But back then, that was our, our thinking. So we started basically trying to find uh, potential investors and meeting with people and meeting with companies who were doing investments and even private or, well, well uh, you know, like business angels and so on. And basically around July 2005, it was a turning point because uh, our first investor and, and business angel said to us, okay, let's go ahead. I, I will put some money into this and, and, and you can move forward. A few months before that, I actually quit my, my job because my goal was to, to focus on this and also uh, I probably as a backup work as a version control consultant. Mm -hmm. And I did a couple of jobs on that, on that but then really just a few months after like a couple of months or something like that we got the the green light to to move forward and, and create a company that's interesting yeah we can move multiple ways from there but i was uh, i was wondering so maybe i don't know if you asked that angel that started the kind of funding uh why uh why did they invest so uh, because i can imagine in that time uh, there were some other vo version control systems as well uh, so why uh, why choose yours and why you invest in that? D do you know? Okay, well at the end of the day, uh, it was pretty emotional. I mean, it's not like I, I don't think he was uh, super, you know, analytic with it. So mm -hmm. it was more something like, um, well, we met him by chance thanks to another colleague of mine that, uh, uh, well, we we were we we are still quite good friends, and he just introduced me to this. Uh, gentleman who was uh you know a, a pretty well-known business a local businessman here and uh well he somehow liked the idea i think he was in a good economical position by by that time and i think he got into the you know the idea not not, not only that it was good or it was a, a good business or something that he probably liked us as, uh, as founders and he liked the illusion and he liked the you know ourselves as uh, being able to to make it happen and, and probably he wanted to got involved into something like that so that's why i say it was probably more mm. uh on an emotional uh, side of things probably i don't i i never got the the, the i mean i cannot enter in his brain and and, and get <laughs> yeah, the, sure, the, the final the final reason but my understanding after years because at the beginning i, I just said okay yeah it's going to be a good business for you and this and that but after years i i i, I think it was more on the on a probably like yeah you know I, I got excited by this so let's make it happen yeah and you, uh, that's what i hear a lot and uh, i talked to an investor a little while ago uh, also on the podcast um and he mentioned that as well right so he's always looking at the the kind of team first right so looking at the people behind the the product and what their idea is instead of uh, okay 
it, of course a business model is is important but uh it's mostly okay can these guys like adapt uh say for instance the business model doesn't work out in that sense and then we need to change it yeah are they able to adapt to that situation as well right uh, yeah i think that's that's even more important for uh business angels especially if they are not professional business angels like they really get to i mean they, they have some money they can do something with it and uh they they really need to get excited into something that they will enjoy. So it's, it's probably more than the investment because it, it, they just want the money in in return, which is of course extremely important. Yeah. But if if it, if it was just the only thing that motivated them, they probably go for for another alternative, like probably safer or even I don't know. Yeah, safer. I would say. Yeah, there are safer investments than exactly. uh, than a startup. Yeah. So I was uh, I, I want to get back to your product. Um, what I first would like to know is where did the name plastic came from? Uh -huh. That's a very good one. So, uh, okay, uh, we wanted to have like a cool name for for the product, and we wanted something that you know a name that you could use in in any language because we wanted to go international from from day one, right? Which was you know uh, not easy uh, to start with, but that was a goal. So we thought about different names and how could we call it and and then we ended up saying, okay, we like it, the, the, the version control to be flexible and also to protect everything that is inside. And, you know, to be like, also very important, what I said at the beginning, a, a word that, that didn't have any bad meaning in any language, right? There are many jokes about, you know, products or cars or something that end up with weird names uh, in some regions. So, well, that's how we ended up with, with plastic, which was uh, very short and, uh, and meant basically the same. We always say the flexibility side of things, although we know uh, plastic as a material doesn't need to be flexible at all. It can be pretty rigid, but uh, that was basically the, the goal and how, how we named it. Yeah, and uh, could you, uh, for the listeners uh, that don't know it, could you explain a little bit about what it is uh, uh, besides just the version control system? Yeah, okay. So uh plastic is like a i mean everybody knows git these days in fact we started the same day the same not the same day but the same year uh they released uh git mm -hmm. so plastic is a distributed version control system that can also work centralized so it's like you can think about it like git with a, a few more things it's not based on git at all i mean it's, or entire code stack or entire technology but you can think about it like okay it's git plus support for big files a lot of visual uh, tools built in into the product, uh, support for uh, permissions built in into the product too. You can also work centralized, as I mentioned before, which means you can work in Git mode, local repos, or directly doing check-ins to cloud or a distant server like you will do in Perforce or Subversion or any other system. So this gives you a lot of flexibility because you can have, for instance, we have many customers in games. I mean, we didn't end up developing a, a game, but we have many customers there. <laughs> so uh, many of them really appreciate, like for artists, like artists in game development, they prefer to just check in, while developers prefer to go the push-pull. And also they all appreciate the big files and big repos. Like we have customers with repositories that are bigger than four or five terabytes or something like that. We also have like a cloud service, Plastic Cloud. And then the average repository there is about 50 or 60 gigabytes mm. which is much bigger than you can find what you can find in i don't know the githubs or GitLabs of the world so these are basically some of the 
of the features in, in plastic. So we try to make it super usable. We try to make it super simple, but also very powerful. So like the merch mechanism we provide is far beyond what anything you can find. And we also develop things like semantic merch, which is basically a diff, a merge tool that understands the code. So mm. basically it's based on parsing the code prior running merges and so on. So it's like, you know, super nice to reduce merge conflicts and to make things simple. Yeah, and I was uh, when you were talking about it, it it it, ha it is the full stack, right? So uh, when we look at Git, it's uh, usually just the you can create the repository locally and stuff like that. But you have a whole ecosystem around it with uh, actual servers that you push to. But you do that all in house, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Git is super big and super important. It's a great product. So, com you know. Uh, Comparing against it is, is not easy at all. It's not that we always compete because many teams simply cannot use it because this or that. And the, the, the fact that Git is so widespread helped us also because it gave us a lot of visibility. So 15 years ago, nobody knew about distributed version control because it basically didn't exist. There were only like a few alternatives here and there, but they were not, they, they were not mainstream. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone knows that and knows how important it is to work in branches, short-lived branches, do merges and all, and all that. So that helps us a lot, right? Yeah. Every customer that comes to us basically says, okay, I cannot use Git for this and that, so I need something different. So Plastic is is a way to go. So, yeah. so that's a good a good point to, to segue into is uh, why do they prefer, why do clients prefer your product over, for example, Git? So, what is the what are kind of the the shortcomings of Git that you uh, can provide with your product? Okay, the customers that come to Plastic from Git that they basically leave Git is because of one of these reasons: whether they need super big repositories or handle big files, and LFS is not a good choice for them for whatever reason. They want to work centralized and distributed at the same time, or even just centralize some of them. Normally, the, 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 the typical scenario is probably like a mixed one. Some people working in push-pull, some working only in, in check-in mode. You cannot work in check-in mode only in, with Git. Then the next one is file locking, again, in games. Like, uh, it's not mandatory. It's not like in plastic you, you need to lock. It's like an option. But we have optional file locking. So if you're working with files that you cannot merge, like exchange in Unity, like uh, binary content, like assets, like stuff like that. You prefer to lock. That's a, that's a, that's one of the other key reasons to come. And then there's also another reason, especially in corporations uh, related to security. Like we have super fine-grained permissions. Like you can say, okay, you have you can set access control lists to branches and repos and you know labels and almost any object. And that, these are basically some of the of the key reasons. I'm also very proud of our branching me merging mechanism because many customers think it's much powerful and easier to understand than Git. The Git is, but I wouldn't say it's a main reason to to switch. Basically, they all come because of the big files, big projects, uh, and uh, unlocking. Yeah, and uh, the branching is a good uh, a good point to uh, to go to as well. Is that uh, you do it a little bit more differently than uh, than Git, but uh, when I saw it, I I said I already already said like okay, this makes sense, right? So this is a little bit um, easier to to in understand what the actual branch is, right? So could you uh, explain a little bit of the difference? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're using Git, you have to 
to to to make sure you understand how branches work. And basically, branches indeed are pointers to the latest commit on the branch. So you have a pointer to a commit, and you walk back the tree, and then you get a branch. But it's not that easy to know sometimes whether a commit was into a branch or into another or something like that. Maybe it doesn't really care. It doesn't really. I mean, you doesn't. You don't really care. It doesn't really matter in Git in some scenarios. But sometimes it's pretty useful to know. I created this commit on that branch, and that's how it works in in Plastic. So while branches are pointers in Git, branches are commit containers in Plastic. So every commit goes into a branch, and there's no way you can have a, a commit in two branches like it can be in Git. So it's it's just different in that sense. It's it's pretty similar in, in some other points, but it's super different in that sense. And I will say it's easier to get. I mean, in almost every Git training you 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 see or, or you attend is like there's one section devoted to talk about how branches work on these pointers and, and making sure everyone understands that. And that's something we simply don't need to implicit because branches are mostly how you will expect they are. Yeah. So uh, looking at the the way Git does it, it's basically uh, one. Uh, can you call it one branch? I think it's like one branch, right? So it's one main uh, line, if you can call it like that. But and it just points to a particular point in the line, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's like a, I mean, it's like a label you attach to a given commit. Yeah. And then the commit has a parent, and then this commit can have another parent, and so on. Then if you walk back the line, you can assume that's the branch. Mm. And but it's not always like that because there are points where you really cannot know if a commit is in one branch or not that there are some ways looking into the ref log and stuff like that but that's pretty advanced so the the, the regular user cannot know that yeah. i mean i wouldn't say it's just a different way it's a different yeah. design approach i mean it's like a, a git has many advantages thanks to that because it's lighter to do uh, uh imports and so on not i'm not talking about whether it's faster or not i would say yes it's lighter to to do some stuff sure. like imports and, and so on but for now usability perspective i think containers are are very of course i'm biased i mean it's, it's, it's a design, so. <laughs> of course but the, yeah. it, I, I understand so it, for uh, so it's in plastic a branch is actually really a separate thing right so it's not connected to the other commits that you have maybe on your other branch that's uh, is that correct Exactly. I mean, it's more like a container. I mean, it's yeah. like, okay, I can, I want to create a branch. You will create a satellite that you will do in, in Git and it's super fast and it's not like a copy or anything else like it used to be in Subversion. No, it's not like that. You create a new branch and it's just uh, saying, okay, now this branch is pointing to this commit. But as, as soon as you create a new commit, we call it a checking or a chain set, uh, then this chain set is in the new branch. And there's no, I mean, there are ways to move it, but it's not like the regular thing. And when you merge it, it doesn't, it's not just like a, another branch pointing to it or something like that. No, the the branch is really like a container. From a data from a, from a data model perspective, think of it like if every commit has an, a field called branch branch ID. Mm. So there's a one to many relationship, one branch, many chain sets. But mm. it's not like a many to many, let's say. Yeah, and. Um... I can imagine that a lot of clients that are uh, that want to switch to plastic are a little bit hesitant, of course, uh, because they have a whole ecosystem running on their uh, on Git and stuff like that. So, is that uh, would you say that is one of the things that uh, is kind of hindering people, or maybe 
diverting people from switching over? Uh, how, how do you look at that? Okay, that's a very good point. I mean, uh, obviously, I have a lot of respect to, well, I, I respect all the competitors we have because otherwise I will be quite dumb. And I, I hope I, I'm not. I mean, I, no, I, no. I, I'm not. So I really respect all the all the other competitors. So obviously, it is super good. I mean, I think it's 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 super cleverly designed. And one of the advantages is, as you mentioned, the the entire ecosystem. So we find ourselves many times, very often, developing the entire stuff. Like we have to go and develop a plugin for this and that or that. While in Git, the developers of this other certain system they develop, they make the job for themselves. So yeah, that's definitely something that might prevent some users to say, okay, you know, I like to go for plastic, but you know, hey, they don't have such a big ecosystem and so on. So the way in which we try to overcome that was uh, making plastic compatible with Git as much as we could. What, what I mean by that, any plastic server can act as a Git server. So you can basically push pull from a Git, from a command line Git to a plastic server. And, and Git thinks it's another Git server, right? Or rather a Git one. So this is one of the things we, we did. And it basically lets you connect your plastic server. Suppose you're running an on-premise plastic server, you can connect it to a, a service that only allows to, to use Git, right? So that's one of the things. The other one is that any Git client, sorry, any plastic client can act as a Git client. So I can be with my command line in plastic or my GUI connected to my local repository. I can, and, and then I can go and push to GitHub, for instance, or pull from GitHub. And it works pretty well. Like, I mean, I can have a couple of branches in my plastic repo, push them to Git, do the merging Git, pull back, and then I get the merging plastic or vice versa. Suppose you, you want to get to, to, to benefit from the, the better technology or the more advanced merge technology we have. You can have a, a Git uh, repo in GitHub, pull it to your local plastic repo, do the merging plastic, and push it back to GitHub. Yeah, that's 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 uh, one big thing, and of course, you mentioned the GUI in there as well, and that's one something that I want to uh, just go into a little bit because I I've seen some uh, some examples of how it looks, uh, and there there seems to be a focus on uh, actually getting that GUI right. So why why is that? Because most of the people will say, okay, just give me command line and that's it. Uh, but you. You also have a good focus on the GUI as well. So why is that? Okay, so we found over the years, and it was also one of the original intents, that we wanted to make version control uh, accessible for everyone. So there are many developers who prefer to use a command line, but there's a vast number of developers who prefer to use a GUI. I mean, it's like, what do you prefer, IntelliJ or Veeam? Mm -hmm. Many users will say, okay, I prefer IntelliJ or Visual Studio Code or full Visual Studio, whatever, right? So we want you to basically do the same with Plastic. Like, okay, if you are a command line geek, okay, you can go and, and use Plastic from the command line. Uh, and that's good. But if you really want to use it from a, you know, more high-level perspective, like really taking benefit or visualizations and branches uh, of branches and divs and, and so on, you have a, a powerful GUI. And then we develop like native GUIs for Mac, for Linux, for, for Windows. And we have like the built-in div. It's like a side-by-side -side semantic div, which shows you if you move a method to a new location, shows you that with beautiful representations and all that. So it, it was really a lot of work. It's still a lot of work because you, you never end up making it better and maintaining it and doing tweaks. And then you find something you did a few years ago is not 
that good or that usable anymore. So we are constantly creating new versions, and releasing new new improvements. But yeah, that's that's something mm -hmm. we need, and we 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 think it provides value to the type of customer. Yeah, and the, 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 I've noticed that as well. Uh, I had a, a similar case within uh, within the team that I was leading at the time, uh, where, for example, the designer and the front-end developer, uh, maybe more the designer even, was uh, they, they used the GUI, right? So they really yeah. used the GUI. In this case, it was the Git GUI, but I think it was GitHub GUI, actually. But <laughs> they used that GUI because it was more visual, but also uh, it was easier to understand that way than just an abstract command line, right? Is that also one of the reasons? Absolutely. I mean, for instance, uh, artists in video games and non-programmers, non I will say, they, 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 they really prefer the GUI. In fact, we have a special GUI for artists. Like, we have, like, the developer's GUI, and then we have a GUI for artists and people who are not coders. And that's one of the key reasons why they come, right? So that, that might add some value for them. But even for developers, there's something interesting that happened. In, in the early days, we all used the plastic command line down here, right, at the very beginning. And then we found ourselves moving to the GUI. Even hardcore uh, command line guys prefer to be on the GUI if the GUI is not just a wrapper around the command line. Mm. I think, especially at the beginning, I think now they are getting much better. But at the beginning, many Git GUIs were just like wrappers of commands. Like yeah. you, you were basically supposed to do exactly the same, but just hitting a button instead of uh, running a command. And then probably doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, and it's it, it's frustrating to work that way. I've I've noticed that as well myself when I tried it. I was like, okay, yeah, but really, wh why am I doing this in a GUI when I can just type this in into the command line, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, there were even GUIs that showed you the command and the underlying command again and again, which is good to. It's probably good for some type of users, but it it means you are not designing the user experience. Really, you are just dropping whatever you can do on the command line. So what we try to do, and it's hard to tell whether we really succeeded on that, because as I said, it's always an ongoing pro process, and I'm always seeing problems here and there, right? Like, OK, mm -hmm. I want to, to improve this. That, which I think is the regular thing for a developer, right? You, you always see like the bad side of things because you're focused on making it better. But what, what I wanted to say is we really designed it like a different thing. I mean, it's not like a wrapper on top of our command line because we have our own command line. No, it, it's really a different thing. It's, it's built to, to work as a GUI. So there are things that you do in a different way than you will do from the command line, right? And, mm. and for instance, at the end of the day, what you use most intensively in Plastic is what we call the pending changes, which is like get a status or something like that. But we use it from a, from a GUI. I mean, you, you have a, we have a command for that, but we also have like a GUI. And then it's like, okay, you see the list of changes. You can immediately see if you move a file because plastic detects moves. That's one of the things we do super well. And then it shows you a diff in a visual way. And you can, you know, understand even you move a method or something like that. So it's like you just go there, type the comments, hit check in, and you're done. So it's not slower than it will be on the, on the command line at all. It's pretty visual. And it's mostly what you do, right? It's like, okay, you can be doing merges and branches and all that, but you do check-ins much more often than you will do all, all those. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really designed to, to be working in, in a visual way. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So what I was wondering about as well is that how do you, how do you create a business out of this, right? So how do you put a business model on top of this? How, how do you go about that? How did you do that? 
Well, it changed a little bit from the early beginnings because we, uh, initially we built basically a license model, like you pay for perpetual licenses or something like that, and then you get plastic and, and, and that's it. And now we are more, we still have this type of customers and especially in big corporations and so on, but we basically move more to a SaaS uh, type of uh, business, like subscription-based, so you pay a, a monthly fee or something, and then you get access to the software and also the Google, you know, the cloud storage, if, you, if that's a product you use, this kind of stuff. So how we build a, a product out of that? Well, we, oh, sorry, a product, a business. Well, we decided uh, a pricing model long ago. We, we didn't move pricing that, that heavily on the, on the last few years. We are very affordable. We try to position ourselves uh, cheaper than most of the competitors. Not cheaper than the free ones, of course, because we, we need to make <laughs> a living to do. <laughs> out of it. Yeah, that's hard to do. But that um, basically, as I said, uh, the, the goal is what? What's the difference? What's different? What's the value? And our goal is okay. You know what? We, you can work in test branches. Except if you are an artist, whether you where where all you want to do is something simple, where you just want to check in and you're done. But otherwise, if you're a developer, you probably want to work in short task branches that you merge uh, quickly back to the to the to the main branch, and then the test pass there, and then you re you, you reduce the, the the lead time for every task and the ta and the, the the task time from open to deployed is shorter. So we basically give you the tools to implement this sort of methodology. So it's not that we are, you know, methodology gurus or something like that, but we really give you the tools to implement a way of working where you will move tasks forward faster, where you will deploy faster to production, mm. and you stick to a few rules. And you, if, if you use plastic in this way, uh, you'll succeed into that. And that's basically the business, right? So the business is user tools to work in a better way. You you will do without without them, and that's why they pay for because they have. All the customers we have, they have free alternatives. So they are willing to pay us because we provide them with extra value mm. that they don't find in cheaper or even free competitors. Yeah. And uh, what I was thinking about while you were talking about that, because you mentioned the binary files before, uh, that's actually a good point because I, I remember that I was working at, a, uh, at an internet agency as well and they... Uh, they had a problem with the designers as in they had like Photoshop files, right? So they were like, okay, but we need to version these files somehow. And uh, I don't know if Photoshop built that in uh, later on, but uh, that was one of the things that was not really available, right? So there was no way to kind of version your your files uh, in that way, especially the PSD files that Photoshop yeah. creates. Is that, is that exactly the, the kind of... Uh, binary files, uh, as you said, you mentioned the the game developers, but are those kind of the d binary files that you also version? And how do you do that? Because that uh, a binary file is not text where you can just diff it and say, okay, this is differently. Uh, how how do you do that? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, when we when we say bin binary files, we say everything that basically cannot be easily diffed or merged, right? Yeah. That they are not text based. So code is very easy to, to diff and merge. We even have this semantic technology to actually dig into the structure. That's uh, something else. But yeah, if you have like a DLL or you have an executable file or you have a PSD or if you have like a video or something like that, then of course it's not that easy to diff. You need a specific tools to do that. I I'm not saying it won't, it won't be the future where you can easily default that, but right now it's more like a blob that you have to put 
somewhere, right? Yeah. So the, the 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 benefit with plastic is that we are finding in many in many teams that they have big binaries and they also they also have codes, and then many of them have like okay, Git in one side, and then they have like a Dropbox on the other. So it's like a mess, right? So mm. and it's all because they cannot simply go and checking everything into Git because Git is not designed to do that, right? So the main benefit they get with plastic is okay. You know what? I don't care whether the, the video is uh, 100 megs or, or one gigabyte. I can just go and check it in and it will work and nothing will break. And I don't have to go and repair the repository because it will break or something. Or I don't have to go and, you know, remove my project from GitHub because they ask you to, 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 to have projects as lo- smaller than a, a certain size mm. or something like that. So that's the main benefit, right? And yeah, the, the, if, if you're asking me how we do it, well, it's basically a design decision we made at the very, very beginning. It was like, it was like, okay, how can we handle big files? And we decided to go into this very simple approach, which is, okay, let's split them in chunks and then let's store every chunk separately. So you never end up handling more than four megabytes uh, together in memory or together in the network or something like that. You, you, of course, you stream them through the network. You, you send them through the network but we are always working in chunks. And that's one of the things that makes it possible because many other version controls try to like calculate a patch or something, load in the entire file in memory, and then they, they simply die if the file is too big. Yeah, because especially when you look at the big Photoshop files, but also the game developers, yeah, they can be multiple megabytes, right? Which just doesn't fit in your normal laptop memory, for example. Yeah, exactly. Or even if they do, it's a lot of overhead, and then mm. you know, it's 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 simply whether the system is meant to to handle that or not, right? In in our case, as I had said, we have customers with repos that are five terabytes, and it's like like wow, it's super big. It's about to break. No, it's like okay, I don't care whether it's five or ten or eight or two or hundred next. It just works, right? Yeah. It's, it's like and- it is. And uh, I wanted to look a little bit into the future. Uh, it's it's uh, basically one of the last two questions that I have for you as well for today. Um, so where do you where do you think this kind of collaboration on code and the way we work, uh, especially for developers, but also for the designers and the and the game developers, for example, uh, where do you feel that's moving towards? Okay, there are there are several things, right? There, are, there are, uh, we are constantly thinking on that. What, what's next? What are we going to do next? What's going to be the the the, the thing that is going to make uh, the life easier for users, right? And and there are a few things from a usability standpoint. I think we need to make everything simpler. I mean, I think the the iPhone of version control is yet to come. I mean, we, we really need to make something as simple that you don't have to to to, to make much effort to to use it, and still. I mean, it's, it's hard to see for us because we are all day development version control and we are experts on version control. So it's kind of, okay, everything is, is easy, but it's not, right? So so one of the key things is to make everything much, much easier. It doesn't mean it has to be less powerful. It just has to be much easier, especially when you're starting. So that's one of the, of the things. It's not, it's not very fancy. It's not super big technology or something. It's just make it simpler. The other thing goes more into, from my point of view, goes more into extracting the value of repositories. So at the end of the day, Every project is storing a lot of information into repositories, but they don't benefit that much out of it. It's like, okay, I have 10 years of code in my repo, but is, is the repo really giving you some insights? It's really giving you, teaching you lessons of, of mistakes you made. It's really helping you find hotspots in code. It's really letting you 
figure out if what you're changing looks good or not. So we are thinking on approaches with machine learning and you know, really extracting data from big repositories from history and all that, and trying to come up with you know, hints, suggestions, highlighting stuff, things like that. Also, yeah, yeah, go on, go on, sorry. Yeah, well, we are also very interested on semantic technology. What we call is semantic is basically, as I said, uh, parsing the code before calculating diffs or merges. This is super good if you refactor code and so on. So one of the things we do right now is you can calculate the history of a given method in Java or C Sharp, like not just the history of a file, but the history of a method. And But that's something we've been doing for years, but we think there's a lot of room for improvement. Like right now, it's something we calculate on the fly, but I think we could have like pre-calculated history so it's super fast, even when the method moves across files and stuff like that. So you can really understand if you're touching a hot, hot spot. Yeah. Right, because right now you go, you refactor the code, you move it to a different file, and then it's like, okay, it's new. And you're probably w missing that this particular method has been around for like five years and was touched a million times. Well, not a million, but a lot of times. And it was involved in a few merges, in a few bugs. So you must be careful the next time you touch it, right? Because probably you are about to enter a new bug or something. So these are the kind of things that you can probably benefit from. And also, there's something on the process side of things. Like we, we always wanted to be very process agnostic. Like, okay, we are just a version control. Let's do our work well and don't mess with the Scrum or Kanban or something like that. We still think that, but we see that customers really appreciate when you are opinionated and when you really tell them, look, if you do this and this, you will get this, those results, right? So we are trying to be more helpful in reducing some key metrics like cycle time like everyone is really interested on okay from open to deployed what is that time and i think version control can play a key role there as a orchestrator for devops yeah that's that's really interesting the as, especially the 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 thing that you mentioned about the methods being uh, switched around so that happens a lot right so uh we create a new module and say okay things were that were previously in this module together we're gonna split it because we're creating a microservice or whatever, right? So uh, it, it can happen that uh, something moves and you don't even know that it was in that particular file at one point, right? That's what, that's what you were mentioning. Exactly. In fact, right now, today, in Plastic, we have something called multi-file diff. So if it detects some method that was moved from one location to another in a branch or chain set, what you're diffing that, it will tell you and you will be able to diff the right thing and it will even show you a, a diagram showed you how the methods were, so, sort of a class diagram, not exactly a class diagram, but like a really simple class diagram showing you, okay, this method was moved from here to there. That's something we do today. But I think we think in the team here that there's really a lot of room for improvement, a lot of things we could do better and more productive and more helpful, just putting a little bit of intelligence in the data that is inside the repo. Okay. And uh, to wrap up, I have one more question. Uh, so what are you most proud of since you started on this whole journey? Because it's been a while, but I, I just want to know, what, what are you most proud of uh, up until now? Okay, if I had to select a single thing, uh, I would say that the thing I'm more, more, most proud of is uh, the fact that uh, most of the team that started here are still here. So over the years, uh, over the... 14 years we've been in business mostly everyone in development has stayed here so it means we have a challenging project it, it means we have something that keep people you know motivated and it means we created the right 
culture of the right environment so that people prefer to stay instead of going to another company. We have people here with uh, 14 years experience. They, they just uh, entered at the beginning and they are still here. We have people who have been here for eight years, six years, five years. I mean, we tend to be so long here that we still call the new guys to people who have stayed here for like four years, right? <laughs> so it's called off. So that's something I'm proud of. I think uh, besides technology, besides the product, which has been, of course, a, a great adventure so far, but uh, having the sense that uh, I helped to put together a, a group of people, of individuals that together can achieve great things and they prefer to stay together for such a long time, is something that makes me quite proud. Very cool. I think it's a great way to 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 cut off the the podcast. So, uh, where can uh, where can people find you on the internet? Well, if they want to reach me uh, directly, I'm at Twitter at ps luaces. So it's like uh, my second family name. And uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm always available on there. So if you go to plasticscn.com, there's a section down below called Team, and then you can see the the pictures of all of us and all bios and ways to contact us so yeah i'm always uh, open to to engage in a in a conversation and we are all quite accessible right so very cool yeah i'll uh, link it down below when the podcast is, uh, goes live of course so uh thank you pablo for uh, for being my guest uh, it was uh, really good to talk to you thanks for having me and uh, of course, for the listeners, you can uh, find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and also all major podcasting platforms. And of course, on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, it's all Bits vs. Bytes. And I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.